All right, welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with Black and Gold Hockey Productions. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing this evening? Doing great, Andrew. Let's get right to our guests. We're going back over the pond. Take it away. Yeah, so we're excited to have with us today Craig Peacock. So Craig began playing competitive hockey as a teenager, even in his U15 days, and played for the Peterborough Phantoms of the EPIHL, which is known as EPL, and did so from 2003 to 2008. And during that time, even uh, played U18 team in Florida and even played in the GMHL in Canada. So he spent some time traveling as a younger man. And then from there, he propelled himself to the Elite League when he went on loan to the Basingstoke. And then after that, he officially began his EIHL um, success as a left winger and signed with the Belfast Giants. And during that time, won several championships and was able to lay roots down with that team, playing with them from 2009 till 2018. Since 2018, Craig has continued to play between such clubs as Brayheads, uh, as known as Glasgow Clan now, Manchester Storm, and most recently with the Five, Five, or Five Flyers. But now in recent news, Craig did just sign a deal to come back to play for Glasgow Clan, which he was there for, I believe, part of five seasons. So we've got a lot to talk about today. And instead of listening to me talk, we'll listen to the guest talk. So without further ado, Craig Peacock, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Um, I feel like that intro took a while. <laughs> I've been around. Yes. It's like, it's like your mother or something, you know, it's, it's sweet, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's cool listening it back, actually, because you kind of forget where you've been over the years. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey, my hockey career. Yeah, and so, Craig, I just want to start then at the beginning, um, kind of what we talked off air. You know, if you go to your hockey DB, it says you only play with Peterborough Phantoms um, of what was known as the EPL or EPIHL then. Um, and then after a few years, you went and did your own thing in Florida and in the GMHL and then came back, um, I believe it was 2000, 2008 or 2007, 2008, and you ended up winning championships uh, with Peterborough Phantoms as well before uh, going to the EIHL. So let's start there. And kind of in between as well, after those first few years of the EPL and going to Florida and everything, what kind of, how, how do you piece all that together as your story for your career? Yeah, so um, obviously I grew up in Peterborough. That's kind of my hometown where my hockey career started, um, coming up through the juniors um, in Peterborough. So it's a lot different to kind of the hockey system over in North America. We would only get sort of 16 games a season, um, an hour of practice a week, and that was kind of it. Um, I was lucky that I got to play up an age group most of my kind of junior career. So I'd always play up. So it would give me an extra hour of practice um, and some extra games too. Um, I think I first broke into kind of the senior team, which would be semi-professional. I think I was 14 when I dressed my first game um, with that team. Um, obviously just sat on the bench and kind of took it all in, but it was a great experience for me to, you know, practice with, with older players. And I think we had four imports on the team um, back then so it was good for me to kind of learn um, and gain some experience there and then it kind of got to a point where I wanted to try and you know make a, a fist of hockey and, and make a life of it um, and I just you know it wasn't enough ice time or practice time or game time in the UK which is why I made the decision to move out to, to Florida when I was 17. So after I believe it was uh, your last year with the Peterborough Phantoms, you ended up being on loan to Basingstoke of the EIHL, correct? And I believe that was your first time really playing at the top pro league. How did you get loaned there? And was there a big transition from what was then the EPIHL to the EIHL? Was there, was there a difficult transition for that? Yeah, Um yeah, so as I was touching on there, I obviously spent a year in Florida and a year in, in Canada. And um, the coach I played under in Florida was Terry Christensen. Um, he actually coached, I think, I want to say Michigan was a college that he potentially coached at. Um, and he also coached uh, professionally in the UK with Manchester Storm kind of back in the early 2000s. And, and that was a great point for me in my career. Um, and obviously, I came back to the UK to play in the EPL um, and my last season with Peterborough was kind of my breakout season that gave me, you know, the opportunity to get into the elite league. Um, and I think with Basingstoke, it was just a case of they, they had some injuries and stuff that year. Um, and we obviously played Saturday and Sunday, but the elite league, they have midweek games. So I think the three games that I played um, were all kind of like a Wednesday night because I didn't have any games with Peterborough and they were short on players. So um, it was just a case of kind of, 
taken up a roster spot, but I got there and, you know, got thrown onto the second line and all of a sudden I'm playing professional hockey. Um, and it was a big, big jump. Um, I mean, you're on a team all of a sudden there's 12 imports or however many there was on the team at that point. And, you know, the, the pace of the game was, uh, it was eye opening. And, but those three games during that year were enough to make me realize, okay, this is kind of where I want to be. Um, so I made sure to kind of finish strong with Peterborough in that year, which, which led me on to getting the, the opportunity with Belfast the following season. Yeah. So I want to pick it up uh, with Belfast. So you play with them nearly a decade. Um, I, I believe you won a championship or, or two with them, but tell us a little bit about the first pro contract signing. You know, um, we always like to ask our players, bring us through that moment when you finally realize this, Hey, I'm going to be able to play hockey, a sport that I love uh, as a living. So bring us through how you got signed and what, what you felt, what was going on. Yeah. I mean, um, I was having, you know, a fairly good season kind of numbers wise, but it, it was a big jump from the EPL to the elite league back then. And it's even bigger nowadays, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I was having a good season and I was starting to get some interest from a few teams in the elite league. And I remember one game we were playing um, in Bracknell and I'd been talking to Belfast a little bit. Their assistant coach at the time had coached in the EPL the, the previous year. So he was kind of aware of me and he had told Belfast to come and have a look. So um, I think there's whatever game they didn't have a game that day. So the coach and GM of Belfast flew over to watch me play. And I knew they were coming to watch me play. Um, and I think I had my worst game of the season. <laughs> Um, and they, they had messaged and I'd been talking to them and they, they were planning on speaking to me after the game, um, but they left straight away. Um, so I didn't even get a chance to speak to them. So I kind of thought, oh, I've, I've blown this. I've had a bad game. You know, they're not interested in me. Um, but they called me about half an hour after the game just to say that they were late and they were trying to make their flight back to Belfast. But um, they liked what they saw. Um, so we just stayed in touch for kind of, the rest of that season I had I had two other offers on the table um but it was a funny thing at the start of that season I'd, I'd never been to Belfast but I knew it was a big club they played in a big arena and they were kind of a big deal and I said to my mum and dad I said I'm I'm gonna go play for Belfast next season um and funnily enough that happened and, and it, pretty soon after the season ended with Peterborough they they got in contact um made me a contract offer I obviously kind of sat on it for about a week and looked at my options with the other teams and where I thought I'd get the best opportunity um, to progress as a player and the best chance to, you know, play. Cause I didn't want to just go and, and sit on the bench. Cause I've seen that happen to too many British players. Um, but I trusted everything that, that Belfast said um, and it just worked out perfect, perfect for me. They kind of got signed up probably two weeks after the season ended in Peterborough. Um, they flew me over to Belfast from England um, to come and check it out, show me where I'd be living, show me the arena. And it was just, from that moment, I knew it was kind of a big, big step. You know, it was, it was the next moment in my hockey career and I'd kind of made it to that professional level. So two-part question. So uh, talk about winning a championship there and also talk a little bit about the fan base in Belfast. Andrew and I are relatively new to the uh, elite league since we started this podcast about a year and a half ago. And um, we know that Belfast won this year. You know, you mentioned... Um, uh, we've had on uh, Sully, Zach Sullivan, before you're friends with him. And he had said that Belfast this past season was the best elite team he's ever seen. So talk a little bit about, uh, especially for our North American audience, what's it like playing in Belfast, winning a championship, the fan base? What's what's it like over there? Yeah, I, I mean, I was very fortunate that my, my first season in Belfast, we won the, the playoff championship. Um, it's a little different setup in the UK. There's a big emphasis on the league title and it's very much the football or soccer, as you guys would call it, mentality that the league's a big thing. But obviously as hockey players, playoffs is, is still a massive thing and it's still a trophy to win. Um, funny enough, back then they didn't kind of have continuous overtime. They used to just, I think it was 10 minutes and then they'll go into penalty shots again, another very soccer mentality way of, of looking at things. Um, and I think we had won about one shootout during the regular season, maybe lost about seven, and we ended up winning the semi-final and the final in penalty shots. Um, and I actually took one in the semi-final and scored, luckily enough. Um, and then it went to the sudden death round, but um, you had to use the same players back then. 
you picked three players and then you kept going. Um, so it went to the sudden death round and I had gone first for us um, and they missed. So I had a chance to score and put us into the final, but uh, the goalie saved that one. But <laughs> I was uh, one for two on the night, which was good. Um, and to win a championship, my first full professional season was just, you know, it was incredible. It's the last game of the season. You know, you, you go into summer on a high, you've just won a championship. But um, Belfast is a special place. There's a lot of history um, there. And they brought the Giants there in about, I think it was 2000 that the Giants first um, played their first season. I don't know how much you guys will know or the listeners will know, but obviously Belfast has, you know, quite a troubled history. It was, it was literally called the Troubles um, with all the Catholics and the Protestants. Um, and the Giants kind of came along. Um, to bridge that gap, so to speak. So um, their kind of motto is everyone in the land of the Giants is equal. Um, so as an emphasis, you're not allowed to wear football colours, so you can't choose what side of religion that you're going to be on. It's just something for everybody. Um, and nobody was sure how it was going to take off in Belfast, but it's just grown into this absolute monster. Um, everybody in the city knows who the Belfast Giants are. They're, they're kind of a big deal. Um, the crowds just grew and grew and grew, and it means so much to a lot of people. Um, so when you can bring a championship to a city like that, um, it's something very special. And I was lucky lucky enough to win a couple of league titles after we won the playoffs there as well. Yeah, and so during your time there, um, you know, you spent nearly a decade, which is pretty rare uh, for a lot of pro players um, to stay with a team that long. What was, what was the reason why you stayed that long? Was it the, the, the roster of the team was always so good and you had great playing time. You guys are winning. Was it, I mean, what, what, what goes into it? Cause as a pro player, I know it, 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 it goes a lot deeper than just the team, right? You, you are an adult. You have to pay your bills. It has to be a, I'm sure a decent area to live in. Your wife has to like it. So why did you stay there that long? And what was your time like within the city itself and with all the people as well? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a combination of everything that you said. I mean, for, the, for me to win a championship in my first season, that's why we all play this game. We're competitors and we want to win. Um, so straight away, I knew that it was an organization that that wants to compete every year and wants to be near the top. But then you look at... The management structure and um, the GM at the time was Todd Kelman, who's now moved on to Cardiff. Um, he's a GM and part owner there and I had such a good working relationship with him. He always treated me with respect um, and the organization as a whole have always looked after their players. It's, it's probably why they always have such good teams because it's just such a, it's a great city to live in. Um, like I already touched on, kind of everyone knows who the Giants are around the city. You can go out to the bars and the restaurants and things like that. Um, and, and that's a nice feeling as an athlete, especially in a sport like ice hockey where, you know, some cities, that, don't get me wrong, we get great crowds. There's arenas that get filled out over here, but they might not know who you are. And I'm not saying that's why you play hockey, but it's a nice perk um, and everyone's kind of, happy that you're in their city doing something doing good something bigger than hockey if that makes sense purely based on the religion side of things um that you're bridging that gap and the giants do a lot of work in the community to to kind of emphasize that and they've had such a a positive impact on the community since they've they've been around um which just kept me coming back and obviously yeah you know we had great teams great coaches there was always that emphasis on winning there was always an opportunity to win a championship um, we're always there or thereabouts competing for every trophy every year. Um, and for me, it was just easy to keep going back. Um, you know, there was a point where I didn't think I would ever leave Belfast. I thought I was going to play my my whole career there. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I spent a long time there and eventually moved on. But I, you know, I've, I've got nothing but good things to say about the place. And you, there was quite there was a core group of guys that would always come back as well. And even the imports, there's a lot of imports who've met local girls and married and stayed and they still live there now, even though they're retired from hockey, which I think says a lot about um, the city and the way the organization treat you. So I want to jump ahead. And of course you move on to uh, playing in, in to what is now, you know, Glasgow. Uh, they used to call what uh, Brayhead. And I believe the arena is still Brayhead. Is that true? Yeah, so the yeah. the area is kind of called Brayhead, so the arena is still Brayhead. 
Yeah, so you go on and you play for uh, uh, quite some time there in Glasgow, but you do move on and you do play split uh, uh, seasons with uh, Manchester and Fife. And so real quick with that, was that during the pandemic? And uh, we want to talk quite a bit about, you know, you're, you're back with uh, the clan again. So we'll talk about the clan, but between the Manchester and Fife, what was going on there? Was it quick moves? Was it during the pandemic and weird things happening? What, what's the story there? Yeah, so it, it basically was the pandemic. Um, we had played there, I think it was my fourth season here in Glasgow, and it was when the pandemic hit around the February, March time, and, and they just shut the season down. That was it. We were kind of, we were literally on the ice at practice on a Friday. Our coach got a phone call. Um, and then he just blew the whistle, skated over, and his boys, the season's over. <laughs> and, wow. And that was it. Um, we only, I think we only had about, I think we had three weeks left of the regular season and then playoffs, and playoffs over here is only three weeks long anyway. Um, so it wasn't too long to go, but, you know, it was kind of a shock. Um, and obviously, pandemic hits, COVID hits, we're into lockdown. Um, Scotland had it even stricter than the rest of the UK as well. So it was very up in the air whether there was going to be a full season to go ahead the next year. Um, they got to around August, September time, and they had to make the decision that the normal Elite League season was cancelled. So me going to play for Manchester actually was in April the following year. We had a month-long streaming series, is what they called it. Um, so we essentially lived in a bubble. There was four teams. It was Sheffield, Nottingham, Manchester, and... Coventry um, and they did a draft for it which is had never been done um, in the UK so they obviously they kind of brought in import players for it um, but they did a draft for the British players um, each team could protect I think five British players maybe so it's generally Manchester protected the Brits they already had likewise with the other three teams um, and then for the British players like myself that wanted to play in it we kind of put our names in and then they did a draft and Manchester drafted me to that um, so we just went to Nottingham and we're based in Nottingham. All, all the teams kind of stayed in the same hotel. It was very COVID secure, obviously, with all the testing. Um, we played behind closed doors and they just streamed it out um, to the fans. So I think it was five, five six weeks um, the streaming series. But it was, you know, we, we hadn't played hockey for a year at that point. So it was just nice to, to be back playing hockey. Um, and then the situation obviously it was carrying on to unfold with the pandemic um, and the league was, they were ready to go ahead. They were going to make it happen. Um, Brayhead ran into some trouble because the arena here is connected to a shopping center. Um, and the company that operated all of that went into administration. So the shopping center got brought over or taken over by whoever, um, but the arena's future was kind of up in the air. So they weren't sure what was going to happen with it. Um, so I was kind of advised to, if you want to play, start looking elsewhere because we're not sure if the clan are going to play this year. They weren't sure if they were going to have an arena. Um, so I started looking elsewhere. Naturally, Fife is an hour and a bit up the road for me. Um, it was kind of the best fit because I'm settled in Glasgow now. I didn't really want to relocate at this point in my career. Um, so I took the opportunity to go and play in Fife, and then it turned out that that Glasgow managed to play anyway. Um, they started the season a bit later than everyone else. Um, but the clan actually took, I think it's a 20-year lease out on the arena. So they, they're in a very good position now, the fact that they operate and run the arena so they can run more events than just hockey. Um, so obviously I stayed, it, it wasn't a case of burning bridges. It was just a case of, you know, one of those things I'd already started looking elsewhere. They weren't sure if it was going to go ahead. Um, and I'd already committed to another team. So I wasn't going to, kind of turn my back on on the team that's given me a chance just to come back because they were playing um but obviously he's kept a good working relationship with uh, the management in Glasgow and and happy to be back this year that I've, I've signed back for for this season so mentally I mean that had to be pretty crazy I mean you guys had a draft with four teams only and I mean, that, that's, that, that would be pretty interesting if it happened for the NHL or even AHL, any of those leagues over here in North America. So mentally, how did you deal with that, uh, being drafted to Manchester? Did it even feel like a real hockey season with any meaning, or was it kind of like pickup? Because I remember, you know, we're Bruins fans, and I remember in an interview Brad Marchand had uh, said after they were eliminated from the playoffs that it felt like a totally new season, didn't feel like they were picking up from the previous one. 
and uh, just didn't feel like real hockey at times. So what was kind of your mindset? And especially with the year after, um, you still weren't able to kind of return. Things were still kind of up in the air. Um, what, what was what was your uh, mindset going into that? Um, well, the first thing that was a bit weird was getting drafted at 32 years old. I think I was four, <laughs> about 14 years late on that one. Um, so at that point, I was like, oh, well, hopefully someone just picks me here and I get a chance to play for, for six weeks because I miss hockey. Um, but they they uh, they did a good job of it, actually, because they kind of live streamed the event and had all the general managers and pick, making their picks live for all the British players. And I think the fans really enjoyed it. And they were asking them to do it every year for the British players. Um, but it's, it's just not a system that would work over here, unfortunately. Um, it would be great if it would. But yeah, at, at that point, it was a case of, somebody please just pick me because I want to play hockey. I haven't played hockey for a year. Um, and then, yeah, obviously it was tough, the situation after. Um, but going into that streaming series, I don't, I don't think any of us kind of knew what to expect. There was guys, we kind of got guys coming over from Norwegian League. There's one or two British players and some of the imports who have been playing in Europe because they carried on through COVID and played their whole seasons behind closed doors. So it was kind of a mixed bag when we got there. There was guys like me who hadn't literally hadn't been on the ice for a year because everything was shut down. And then there was guys who had been playing a whole season. Um, so at the start, we kind, kind of weren't sure what to expect. And obviously, you know, you're used to playing in front of thousands of people every night and all of a sudden you're in a quiet arena behind closed doors and you can hear every word that's being said. Um, wow. And at the start, it was it was a bit sloppy, I, I won't lie. But um, as the weeks kind of progressed, it was the attitude of, well, you know, we're here. Let's let's try and win this. Like, it's not just, you know, you're there for a bit of fun and you're away from home for six weeks. It was, well, you know, we're doing this. We're coming together as a team. It's it's six weeks and let's see what happens. And it, it got it got really competitive. Um, the best part was obviously just getting that six weeks and helped me for for the following season because if I hadn't had the streaming series to play and I would have been off hockey for 18 months um which would have made it <laughs> a lot harder than it already was to to go into last season um and then yeah it was tough obviously settled in in Glasgow here and you know Fife and Glasgow have a really big rivalry as well the fans uh, they get really into that one um Everyone in the UK talks about Sheffield and Nottingham as a big rivalry, but um, north of the border up here in Scotland, Fife and uh, Glasgow is is just as intense, if not more intense. Um, the teams do not like each other. So for me to kind of go to the big rivals was a bit of a shock. And But luckily the fans weren't too bad to me when I came back to play them and I've had an exception <laughs> since I've uh, signed back with Glasgow. But that's just part of the game, isn't it? I mean, it must be kind of fun because, like you say, you're with Fife, you play back with the clan, and I'm sure the clan fans were giving it to you, and you just smile and laugh, and and now you're back. And I'm yeah. sure it's, I'm sure it's going to be like, well, you know, we we gave you a bit of it last season, but uh, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, the, and and that's part of the game, right? And I'm not going to take anything too personal. Um, you know, you're playing for a different team. You wouldn't expect them to like you. Um, so, no, yeah, they were, they were quite nice to me, actually. My first game back in Glasgow playing for five, they kind of mentioned my time there and, and gave me a little shout out before the game started and everybody clapped. But once the game starts, then you're not friends with them anymore. But, you know, I had some friendly banter with some of the fans and stuff. But since I've come back, like everybody's been really nice to me. But I'll expect it going back to to Fife this season. That's uh, right. it's it's a hostile place to play at the best of times, um, but I'm sure they'll be giving me stick. But you know that's what the fans pay their money for. They come to be entertained, and I, like I say, I'm never going to take it personal. It, it comes with the territory, and you know that that kind of thing can spare you on sometimes. Right, right. So uh, before we ask some specific hockey type questions, let's just finish the your career rise here up to this point. Tell us a little bit uh, from North America about the clan. You've been there now, uh, what going on? This will be like your fifth season there. Give us a little bit about the team, the area, the fans. Uh, you know, what should we know about the clan? Yeah, so clan first started in 2010 and they were playing to crowds of five six hundred people um the arena holds about three and a half thousand and here 12 years later now that they're selling out on a regular basis and there's a real 
dedicated bunch of, of fans who come every single week and they're some of the most passionate you know fans that I've ever played in front of the the noise that they can create and the atmosphere that they can create um is second to none um and they travel really well as too so obviously being based in Scotland we have some quite long road trips down to England but no matter where we go there's a big follow they'll take two three four busloads of fans down and they'll come down and they'll out sing the home crowds and they'll make a bunch of noise um so the clan's really grown as a part of Glasgow and I think that was a big thing for a change in the name from the Brayhead clan to the Glasgow clan because Brayhead's it's just a little area that's 10 minutes outside the city centre of Glasgow and I think they wanted to kind of capture the whole of Glasgow as it's a big city um, and kind of make everyone aware that, you know, we we have a hockey team here. It's not just, you know, a little team based out of Brayhead. It's something that can kind of represent the, the whole city. Um, very similar city to, to Belfast, which is why I probably enjoy it. It's, it's a bigger city. It's on a bigger scale. Um, but yeah, the clan as a club, you know, they're just making huge strides at the moment. Like I was saying with the um, arena deal that we have now um, and 20 year lease, it kind of, I think in the next few years, you're going to see the clan start win some trophies. I know the fans are getting a bit anxious and they want, would like some silverware. Um, been close a few times. Been, I think they finished second in the league um, the year before I came. Um, playoffs have always kind of eluded the clan. But um, since I've been here, I've had, a different coach every year which hasn't been ideal for me that you know that continuity of having the same coach who kind of you know understands it but they've brought back the same coach from last year which I think is the first time since maybe 2015-16 when Ryan Finity was a coach he was a coach here for about four years but since then it's been kind of a new coach every year a new coach every year trying to figure out what they're you know, the best course of action is, but um, now they've brought Malcolm Cameron back for his second year. Um, and he's put, we've got a great team. We've got a really competitive team um, this year, which I think, you know, it helps. It's tough. It was tough every year, you know, having to prove yourself to a new coach again, to to show them what you can do, to show you to value on the team, um, which isn't a bad thing, obviously. Um, you know, as, as good as a player, it's, you don't stay in your comfort zone that way because um, you're always kind of trying to prove yourself. But I think in terms of where the club wants to go, to have that person who understands, he's seen the league, he he gets the way the UK works, he gets the style of ice hockey, that um, the clan are in a really good position now. So <clears throat> what is it going to take? And it's sort of, I'm asking more of a coaching question, but um, I think you can help answer this. What is it going to take in the elite league? And of course, Belfast is, was so dominant last season. What is it going to take to be successful in the elite league? Is it going to be a team um, system? Is it going to be uh, uh, having a specialty like a neutral zone trap? Is it going to be more of a dump and chase strategy? Obviously, you need good players, but what is it going to take to be successful in the elite league? Because it has changed over the last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, I, since I've come into the league, it's every season it's got better and better and the standard of player that comes over gets better and better. So obviously, you know, you need those good quality players that are coming over and you, the main thing with the league being the, the big prize over here is just that kind of mentality of that a game in early September means just as much as a game at the end of March. Um, so there's no nights off, which, the thing I've seen and kind of learned with the teams that I've been on over the years, and especially the teams that we've won on, um, we've had a good mix of kind of guys who understand the league and maybe been around for a couple of years as opposed to 14 new imports who have never played in the UK before. Um, and it's something that I've obviously learned the later, you know, longer that my career has gone on. Is, is just that importance of every game matters. Um, and I think you need that experience and the way our team shaped up this year, we've kind of picked up some players from around the league, imports who have been in the league for three, four, five years. They've kept a good core um, of players that played for the clan last season, but then we brought in some young, hungry guys. And it's just about, you know, making sure that everyone gels together quickly. There's no time to, you can't start a season slow because you, you could be out of the title race by... Christmas um, and the league's a big prize and Belfast is such a 
deep team. Same with Cardiff and Sheffield. They, they both have brilliant teams and they're so deep. Um, you know, they got three, four lines that they can just keep rolling at you. Um, whereas I think, you know, maybe previous years we've, we've been two and a half lines, maybe our third line's not as strong as those teams or our fourth line isn't as strong as those teams. But looking at the roster that Malcolm's put together this year, um, if we can get everyone to kind of buy in and obviously systems are a big thing. You need to be able to adapt to the way that other teams play. Um, if they're shutting down our game plan, we need to come up with plan B quite quickly because if you lose that game, you know, at the end of the season, if you lose the league by a point or two points, you might look back, oh, we lost that game in October where we weren't feeling it. So it's just a case of keeping everyone switched on and, and ready to go every night, which I think is the, the biggest challenge and the thing that's most unique about the Elite League. Now, you're no stranger to, to having silverware in your house. I mean, you've definitely won your fair share of championships, playoff championships, conference championships. I know that some of those are different as are some of our North American uh, listeners are starting to learn if they're not familiar with hockey on that side of the world. What was the most difficult championship or, or conference championship that you had to win? And whatever, it doesn't matter what team you're on, but what was the toughest road you had to go on to win the championship? Um. I think probably my first league title um, that we won in Belfast. My first, my first season in Belfast, I think we lost the league by one point. Obviously, we managed to get the playoffs, which was good. Um, and then the second season, again, I think we were right there. It might have been a point or two points in it that we lost on kind of last weekend. Um, and then my third season, we kind of brought in a good, really good core group of players, some older experienced players. Um, and we battled with Sheffield all season long um we kind of we kind of took the not the lead but I don't think we really let go of first place once we kind of got it um but I just remember that season it was just up and down the whole year that you know you might lose a game and all of a sudden Sheffield are, are gaining ground on you um and it was the second to last weekend of the season we had a double header at home against Sheffield we played them on a Friday and Saturday night and we just needed um, to win one of those games to win the league. Um, but I just remember, I, I think we won the game 5-1 on the on the Friday night, which meant we kind of clinched the league championship. And it was, I just remember it being such a relief because we had been so close for two years before and those kind of core group of us players who had been involved in being so close but not getting over the finish line. And I remember kind of thinking before that weekend, like, I just don't want this to happen again. I want to get this done on the Friday night and then we don't have to worry about Saturday and, and the league's done. Um, and they were a great team. Um, the, all the games that we played against them that year, was, it was probably 50-50 in terms of, you know, wins for each team. Um, so you just couldn't predict where it was going to go. And the fact that it was kind of the second last weekend of the season that it went down to. Um, and it was a relief. It was such a relief winning that, that we had finally kind of got across that line as a team. Um, and the coach we had that year is really good, Doug Christensen. Um, and he talked all year about it being a process. And I remember we sat down with about, I think, 20 games to go or something. He split us off into little groups at the hotel when we were on the road, um, gave us our remaining fixtures and kind of told each group, like, what do you think we need to do to win the league? How many games do we need to win? How many points? You know, what games can we afford to drop, if any? Um, and we all kind of came back with the same answers. So then to finally, you know, go out and achieve that over the next couple of months, um, that was something special. So I want to ask this question as a, a native British player. How do you guys deal? Well, first of all, how does a team deal with it? Now you've got, I think, instead of 12, it's 15 imports you can have on a team. But the imports aren't coming from just North America. They're coming from Sweden, Finn, Czech, all over and of course the swedes have a different game than north american and you spent some time in north america so you kind of have a, a a better feel for that style but my question is this so with all the imports coming in but yet the the uk hockey program especially the u20 uh the national team doing well continue to do well what is, or can you say, what is the UK hockey style? We know North America what it is. We know the Swedes are more of a finesse, uh, you know, less physical. Does the UK, do, do you have a British hockey style? 
Um, I would say ours is very much based on on the North American model. Um, even as a junior kind of growing up. So when I was growing up, it was my dad who was the coach most of the time and he played hockey as well. He's actually Canadian. He's from Toronto. Um, and there would always be guys who played on the local team, the semi-pro team or pro team who would kind of come out and, and coach the kids and they would always be North American. So our game was very much based upon that. Um, the thing, the, the UK, it's been an, an ongoing conversation of, you know, how do we improve our kids how do we get them better how do we get them ready to move into the elite league and you know I'm going to be 34 years old next month but I'm still playing in the elite league realistically there should be kids at 19 18 19 20 coming in trying to take my job and pushing me out um but unfortunately I mean don't get me wrong there is some great young kids coming through and um, we've produced some really good players but I think as a nation we need to kind of figure out Okay, how are we going to bring these kids on? How are we going to make them better? Um, and we have always focused on, you know, that North American style of hockey and the elite leagues, very North American style of hockey, purely based on how many Canadians, Americans come over and play. But I think when the Swedes and the Europeans started coming over, it was kind of fun to, to play with those guys as well. I played with Danish guys and Swedish guys on my line. And you can see, you know, a different style of hockey that they play. And that's, you know, helped bring me on in those seasons as well, because you're just seeing and training with a different kind of mindset. Um, so, you know, if, if we as a nation can kind of figure out, I think you have to have a blend of both now because the game's so emphasized on skate. And I've, you know, I've seen it evolve over the last 14 years um, and everyone can skate so fast. The skills are getting ridiculous. Um but yeah, I mean, the UK, it's, it's very, very North American. Um, but it's just a case of, of how do we bring our kids and, you know, get, get them ready to move into the, the professional ranks. How do you deal with imports? It doesn't matter where they're from, because you guys only play, what, 52, 53 game seasons. So you can't, you can't have slumps. Slumps are going to kill you. Like what you mentioned before, if you get off to a bad start, you may never recover. And, you know, at least in North America, they're used to playing 80 game seasons. So it's sort of like, Oh, we can, you know, have 15 games where we just have a bad game and then we'll get it together. How uh, do you as, as now being a vet player, I mean, you are a vet player. I think I could say that without you being offended. You're a vet player now. Yeah. Um, how do you go about teaching, especially some of these imports? Like, look, you know, it's it. You, you have to be on every game, every yeah. game. Yeah, it's it's just a case again in their minds early. Um, you know, I found myself naturally kind of, you know, it could be a Sunday night and we've played Friday and Saturday and guys are tired and you can see that, you know, maybe they're not ready to play. And it's just a case of reminding them like, Hey, like this is game five of the playoffs. Think of it that way, because we, we can't lose. We can't afford to drop points. Everything's so important in this league. Um, it's just a case of making sure that, you know, guys are aware of that when they first kind of come over here. Um, obviously winning the playoffs and, and the cup competition is great over here, but for the fans um, and the teams, you know, the ownership and, the business side of things that the league is the big prize and it, it can be a challenge, you know, for, for players to kind of mentally adapt to that. Um, I've played on teams with players where they just can't get their head around it and they think it's okay to take a night off or whatever. So it's, it can be tough, but I mean, I've been pretty fortunate that a lot of the teams that I've been on and, you know, the players that I've played with that everyone kind of gets on board with that message quite quickly, but, to sustain it over 52, 54 games, however many, you know, we play, it's, it's a huge challenge. Um, and to keep, you know, all 20 guys on the roster kind of engaged, it's, it does land on older players like myself. Um, you know, I remember being a younger player in my twenties and, you know, guys talking about a Sunday night in Edinburgh when they're in the league, it's like, guys, okay, you know, we need to be switched on here. We need to find a way to win this. We might be tired. You might've had a 10 hour bus journey to get there and then you're jumping on the ice to play, but you got to find a way to win. Um, and it might be ugly or whatever, but you know, once you get it, then, you know, you've achieved that goal and you move on to the next weekend. And then it's another mini playoff series on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they're all games that you have to win. Um, yeah. So it, it can be tough for the imports to adjust, but as long as you, you know, you have that experience of, 
unfortunately older guys like myself um you know that can help within a team we're gonna um because we're gonna run short on time we want to get to the lightning round questions because this is where sometimes the best stories can come out so if you have a story share if you just have a name just a name it'll work we'll try to ask the questions real quick so here we go i'll start and then andrew will follow up toughest goalie to score against in your career who would it be toughest goalie um probably one of the I'm going to say recent times, Tyler Beskoani, who's um, been the goalie in Belfast for the last couple of years, he's just, he's so big. You just look at him and he takes up so much in the net. You just think, how, how on earth am I going to get this puck past him? And in some of the saves he, he comes out with are uh, incredible. Um, I'm sure there's probably some I'm from getting from the early years, but uh, yeah, definitely recent times. He's, he's one that stands out for sure. Has there been a rat in your career? Anybody that has gotten under your skin? Maybe somebody that, you know, not necessarily would fight with you, but just would always cross-check you in the back, get under your skin. Um, yeah, there's a few of those. Um, a funny story, actually. There was a guy, um, Kale Tanaka, Canadian guy. Couldn't stand playing against him. I don't know <laughs> what, why we just – he didn't like me either. And we would always be slashing, sticking each other, chirping at each other. And I just couldn't stand him, could not stand him for the life of me. Played kind of a few teams, Coventry, uh, Dundee. Um, turns out they end up settling um, in Glasgow. Um, he retired, retired from hockey, but he got a job which was based in Glasgow. So he moved to Glasgow. And it was my second season here. We, we were hit by some injury troubles. So um, <laughs> they needed to bring an import. And it turns out he was local. So he got the call to to come and practice and he walked into the room and I'm like, oh my, I hate this guy. I can't believe that we, we now have him on our team and love him now. He's brilliant. We kind of went and spoke to him that first day when he came in on practice. And I just said, I was like, man, I, you know, I hated playing against you, mate. You're just, you just annoyed me so much. You're just, and he was a good player. He's so skillful. I that's probably why he bugged me so much. Um, but yeah, loved him. He's a, a great guy and friends with him still go for beers with him now. So who is the strongest? So when I say the toughest, I don't mean fight-wise. Who's just the strongest defenseman that will just remove you from front of the net? Just somebody so powerful, you just, it's amazing. Um, I would probably say, um, for if I'm looking at kind of last season, um, Belfast had some big boys there. Griffin Reinhardt, who played in the NHL, um, he was... <laughs> He, he would just pick you up and move you out of the way of the front of the net if, you know, he wanted to. Um, Kevin Rain in Belfast, he, was, he's, he plays the game the right way. You know, he, he, he'll hit you really hard. Um, the guy blocks shots. He's, you don't want to go to the front of the net when he's kind of around. Um, he's really tough to play against, but he plays the game honest, which, which I kind of like. Um, playing with, I played with Kevin Westgarth in, in Belfast. Obviously, he's known for you know, being a tough guy and fighting and stuff, but he was, he was so strong as well. And I think just the intimidation factor of, of nobody wanted to go near him. But um, I, I remember one time he, I think he, he got sleuthed a little bit and he, his wires crossed a little bit. And I think it was Cardiff's tough guy jumped in to kind of try and fight him. And he threw one punch and I think he broke his helmet and screws were flying off on the ice. And yeah, he could kind of do whatever he wanted to do when he was over here in this league. Which arena had the worst ice conditions? Worst ice conditions. Um, oh, actually, yeah, Whitley Bay. Um, my early years in the league, Newcastle were a team. They played out of the arena in Newcastle, um, but they lost that deal and had to move to kind of a local little rink, and it was called Whitley Bay um, in the northeast of England, and it is... I don't think they've done any renovation or ice maintenance since the day it opened, which was probably 50, 60 years ago. And I, I, the way that they set it up was like the first and first period. It was almost like on an uphill slant that you feel like you're skating up of like going up to the red line coming out of your end. It was like slightly uphill. So it was harder for you to go, <laughs> go on the offense for two wow. periods of the game. Um, they, I think they only played there for, a year and then they kind of left the league which i was pretty happy about who is the 
uh, fellow line mates. And I get, I usually we say one, but then we find out our guests say, I just can't name one. So I, we'll give you two names, former line mates that you just click with. I, you know, you didn't even have to look, you'd throw the puck right on their stick and vice versa. Who are some favorite line mates? Um, probably the, the year I played, um, the year we won my first championship actually in Belfast, the, the league championship, I played with another British player, Robert Dowd, um, and a Canadian guy called Aaron Clark. And the lines were kind of juggled up for the start of the season. And, and Clark, he joined us maybe two, three months into the season. And he found himself on the line with, with me and Dowdy and, um, you know, points wise, that was the best season I had, um, that year. And it was a case of, Pretty much, like you said, we we just all clicked together and, you know, it was so much fun playing with those guys. You kind of knew that every night you're going to go out and you're going to create offense and it just it just happened naturally. You didn't have to kind of think too much about it. We all knew where everyone was going to be. We all, our styles of play just complemented each other perfectly and and that was a lot of fun to, to play with those two guys that year. What was the most embarrassing or craziest thing to happen to you during a game or a warm-up? <laughs> craziest or embarrassing? Um, I can't think of anything too embarrassing. Um, craziest would, pro- I mean, getting a skate in the face, if if you want to call that as, as crazy, that was a, uh, bit of a freak accident that one it was actually it was in Fife it was when I was playing for Belfast um Fife didn't have plexiglass I mean their plexiglass stopped at about the hash marks I think in the defensive zone where it was obviously meant to go at least to where the penalty boxes were rinks are very uh you play in some really nice arenas and then you play in some old rinks here um so they didn't have the plexiglass and I was racing for the puck with another player um, one of the best hits I think I've ever thrown in my life, sent him over the boards. And as he's gone over the boards, his skate come up and, and cut oh, me man. just above my lip here. Um, and that was 29 stitches. I had to get through that. Um, so that's probably the craziest thing. I could think. I'm sure there's probably some embarrassing stuff that happened to me in my career, but in terms of, of crazy, that was uh, a freak accident that, hopefully never happens again or or doesn't happen to other people. So So I know that this is a a broad general question, but we do like to finish uh, off with our guests with this question. What has been your favorite hockey memories in your career thus far? Um, Obviously looking back on all the championships that, you know, I won with Belfast to look at, you know, fondly upon those, but um, you know, the, the thing that tops it for me is probably winning a gold medal with, with Great Britain. Um, we won it in 2017, I think we won. Um, division kind of, I think it was 2A. I can't remember. The IHF changed the structure and the, the names of them. But the previous two years, we had won the silver medal. Um, and we had been going into the final game of the tournament, just needing a draw to, or one point, essentially, just to, to win the gold medal. And I think the the one year we lost to Lithuania 3-2, and then the following year we lost 3-2, I think, to Ukraine. Um, and then finally, that third season, we actually hosted the the tournament that year. So to do it on British soil, um, you know, I had my family there watching um, to win a gold medal wearing, you know, my country's jersey with, you know, the Great Britain flag on my chest and, and hearing the national anthem after you just won a gold medal, especially after coming so close the the two years before and, and just falling short. Um, for me, that stands out as, you know, my favorite memory for sure. Well, that's a great way to, to end this. We're, we're just about out of time. We'll say goodbye off air, like I said, but officially, we can't thank you enough for your time. And we're certainly going to uh, be following you here now that you're uh, back with the clan. So we want to thank you very much for joining us. No, thanks very much for having me, guys. Enjoyed it. All right, Andrew, another British born player, uh, another great guy. Boy, we're really uh, impressed with uh, the class, professionalism, and of course, the style of hockey with uh, British born players. Yeah, absolutely. And it's cool because here in North America, you know, I mean, not to sugarcoat anything, we don't get too much coverage of the EIHL or the talent that's overseas necessarily. You know, you hear about, you know, uh, Finnish players, Swedish players, you know, you hear about those big players in the draft, but you don't hear too much about British players. And there's plenty 
plenty of talent over there, as, as you see. And, you know, we didn't mention it either, but Craig Peacock, you know, he held a couple of scoring records, too, in his early EIHL days. So even with all those imports, you know, he's leading all of them in scoring back in his early days. And so there's a lot of talent over there. And we're excited to hopefully get actually get involved this year with EIHL hockey and, and follow a couple teams and see, see where we land. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, and I love the hatred that a lot of these teams have for other teams. I think, you know, as in hockey, you know, you've got to – playoff hockey isn't fun until there's hatred between the two teams, just in my opinion, old-school hockey. And uh, the Elite League has a lot of that, and, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to follow them. Their season starts, I believe, in September, so it starts a little earlier than – the North American hockey. And of course, a lot of North American players um, uh, are over there and will be over there uh, as imports. So it's a fun league. And it's uh, uh, if you don't even uh, on Facebook, uh, we don't know them, Andrew, but there's like a UK hockey fights that I like to follow. And uh, it gets rough over there. There's uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, East coast uh, AHL, tough guy uh, enforcers that like to play over there in the UK. Yeah, they certainly have a similar style to, to North America. I mean, uh, Craig made that point for sure when we asked. So, um, you know, it's always interesting, though, to hear the stories over there. And I'm glad that we're kind of breaking through over there. And we've got a lot of uh, new UK fans and listeners. So we appreciate them tuning in and welcoming us to their hockey world and uh, bear with us as we learn all the different playoffs and these different things, but uh, we're having fun with them. We're excited to, to follow with this upcoming season. Very good. And we do have uh, guests coming up. We have some former um, NHL players coming on. We also have some uh, uh, elite league uh, players and we also have some uh, North American minor league players that are be coming on. So we've got a quite a few uh uh, we sh or should I say we have a variety of guests that will be coming on that should be taking us all the way into uh, October. Yeah, and we appreciate again everybody tuning in as always. And uh, don't forget to check out all the players that we've been interviewing, especially the ones that are currently playing. Let's, let's cheer them on this upcoming season. Thank you guys very much, and we'll end it here. See you later, Andrew. See you guys later.